Welcome to the Jesus Movement Podcast, presented by Awaken the Dawn. We host conversations so you can hear stories from across the movement, receive fresh biblical insights, and gain practical tools to experience more of Jesus's presence in your life, ministry, and city, because we believe Jesus changes everything. Well, welcome today to the Jesus Movement Podcast. My name is Cassidy Campbell, and I'm here with Kirk Bennett. Kirk, thank you so much for being here with us today. Uh, I'm so excited to be here. This is fun. <laughs> yes. We're going to have fun. Right? Kirk and I got to have a conversation yesterday uh, at lunch well, we with did. some friends of ours and uh, just kind of started this conversation, and it was awesome. And uh, so we wanted to have Kirk on and just, Kirk, first start off by just introducing yourself, sharing a little bit about where you're at, what you're doing now, and just introduce yourself. To okay, you. yeah. So I'm full-time staff with the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. I'm, I'm given the leadership or the director, I don't know what you want to call it, to, to the department that we call Prophecy, Healing, and Deliverance. It's mm -hmm. basically trying to get everybody using an old Wimberism, everybody doing stuff. Oh, that's good, Wimberism. Know? Yeah, <laughs> a Wimberism. And so uh, just trying to mobilize as many people to hear from the Lord, and move in the grace of the Holy Spirit that's presently afforded to the body of Christ without needing a revival. We want revival to come, but there is a grace already on the church and to mobilize, to activate mm -hmm. these kinds of things, the graces that we carry that many times lay dormant in us because we're either waiting for something else or, or waiting for the shove off the cliff yeah. or whatever, and God's going, just enter in, start moving in. <laughs> So that's what I do here on the base. I also travel. I have a ministry name uh, when I'm traveling on the road. If I'm not representing the House of Prayer, and my ministry name is Seven Thunders, and that's been going on ever since the House of Prayer. And so been to about 40 nations, about Ooh. 500 different places, just wow. ministering to people and trying to encourage people to hear Jesus. You know, I love so, it, man. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about priesthood, Melchizedek, the order of Melchizedek, Wait, whatever what? that means. What are you talking about? <laughs> I thought this was about Sunday school and how to do Sunday <laughs> Melchizedek. What is that? Are you crazy? Okay. First of all, <laughs> yeah. what does that mean? What What is it? If somebody hears that they've never heard Melchizedek, yeah. is that a person? Yeah. Is it a, what is it? <laughs> well, that's, that's a great way to start. There's actually three passages in the Bible and five chapters that mention the name Melchizedek, and it, it begins chronologically in the Bible as this man Melchizedek, who is a priest of God Most High. First mention of priesthood in the Bible is actually this man Melchizedek, and also the first mention of tithing in the Bible is Melchizedek, is Abraham tithing to Melchizedek. So Genesis 14, is a key passage to begin to understand Melchizedek. And then you have kind of no mention of him after that <laughs> until Psalm 110. And in Psalm 110, David is standing in heaven. He's having a counter in heaven mm. and sees the Father swear in the Son as a priest of the order of Melchizedek. Mm. Okay. And that's, uh, you know, just Psalm 110, verse 4, which, again, seems almost incidental and doesn't give us a whole lot of information. But 
What is really interesting is that Psalm 110 is the most quoted Old Testament chapter in the New Testament. Mm. So it's used more than any other chapter. Mm. And it's either because of verse 1, sit at my right hand. So anytime it talks about sitting at the right hand, that's a reference to Psalm 110 mm. in the New Testament. And they, the other place is this verse 4, you're a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So you have that going on. And then suddenly in the book of Hebrews, where the Hebrews writer is on a roll about the greatness of Christ, better than Abraham, better than the Moses, better than the angels, suddenly he goes, now I want to talk about Melchizedek <laughs> in, in chapters actually five, six, and seven. So those are the five chapters, mm. Genesis 14, Psalm 110, and Hebrews 5, 6, and 7. Mm. And 5, 6, and 7 he unfolds what is a most amazing and pretty much new information to most of the church. Mm. But I think it's actually critical for the days ahead and critical in this new move of God that people not just walk in it, but understand what this means. Yeah. So what does it mean? (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's start with the word. There are the name, the name Melchizedek is a, a, is a compound name made up of Melchi, king, and Zadok, priest or righteousness, this, mm. this king priest of righteousness, okay? So Zadok is righteousness, not priest, but there was a priest in David's tent who was named Zadok, mm. and he was actually a key priest who walks through and moves the anointing on to Solomon after David dies. All that to say, it's king of righteousness. And then in the book of Hebrews, he's also called the king of peace Mm -hmm. because of this Salem that he was priest of God most high in Salem, which is what's mentioned in Genesis 14. So there you have this, and it's set up, the whole thing is set up with okay, who is this guy? <laughs> because we have only these three mentions right. of him. Who is this guy? Why, why is he a thing? It poses a why, question, right? Exactly. <laughs> and a, a lot of that has to do with being brought into the New Covenant primarily th- through Protestantism mm-hmm. or Catholicism. We don't have much church historic yeah. teaching on him. Correct. There's this little verse where he's first mentioned in the book of Hebrews in chapter 5, where in reference to Christ, the writer of Hebrews says he's a priest of the order of Melchizedek, quoting Psalm 110. But then the writer says, of whom, meaning Melchizedek, we have much to say. (laughs) Difficult, though, to explain because you become dull of hearing. And I can remember one time I was meditating on that passage, just of whom we have much to say. And suddenly it strikes me, who has much to say? I don't have much to say. I have no clue who Melchizedek is or what he is or or why that's even a thing or what is even an order that he's of this order. I I just, I was clueless. And and I basically said to God, I said, I don't believe that, you know? And by belief, I meant, I wasn't saying, I know it's not true. I wasn't saying, I I know it's true, but I know I don't believe, I haven't entered into this. 
And, you know, at the time I'd been a Christian for 27 years or something. <laughs> and I'm going, of whom we have much. To, I always thought that passage said, of whom there's not much to say, so don't even worry about it. <laughs> you know? And, but what I see is this, of whom we have much to say, but difficult to explain because you've become dull of hearing. Mm. And as, uh, as a prophetic vessel, I began to just learn this whole dull of hearing, senses being trained, that it goes on in verse 14 of, of Hebrews 5 to talk about the senses being trained, that those who by reason of use, which you know I, I teach on meditation, the chewing of the word, as opposed to just swallowing the word and treating it like milk. As I began to do that, a revelation, almost like a room in heaven, opens up to me. And I, there's all these books in it, and, and, and all the books have Melchizedek written on the, on, on the binding. And I'm like, where am I? What is going on? And from that point on, I start finding this order of priesthood that predates Moses and Aaron and that order of priesthood. And it's been my journey for the last 25 years, really. My fascination in the spirit is this king priest. Mm. But again, you hear it and you go, okay, what's that mean? <laughs> what's that for? We don't hear many people talk about it. Right. I mean, at all, you know, and there's even fewer people who actually talk to the Lord about it yeah. and spend time meditating on it and asking the questions that I think that the scripture is invoking us to ask, right? So true. So true. I think there's an intentional calling God the author of the Bible. He intentionally is hiding this one. And, you know, Proverbs 25 talks about this glory of God to conceal a matter. But a kingly heart will search out a matter, you know, and that kingly heart he's pulling out in this hour. And there's, there's more and more talk about it, certainly more controversy about yes. it. And the primary controversy is, is this Genesis 14 a theophany? Is this Christ, uh, you know, a, a appearing before he comes in the flesh? Mm -hmm. Or is this a man, you know, who is a literal priest of a literal city on the earth called Salem? And either way you land one of those two questions, you have Tens of more questions. <laughs> and, and this is where I think you could look at it as a scroll that's perhaps sealed, mm. um, that's being opened, I feel like, in this hour, or a just a, and, and, uh, something reserved in the heart of God that he really wants you to not just have the answer, okay, who is it? Oh, it's Jesus. Oh, okay. Well, I know Jesus, so no big deal. There, it, it's inviting us into a, a treasury, I'll call it, of understanding, not just knowledge, of mm. understanding of the ways of God, of his heart, how he wants to move. So what do you think, Kirk? What does God want us to understand? What do you think that, I mean, obviously, you know, there's so much to that question, yeah. but in your journey through this, yeah. you know, what do you think that the invitation is to the bride right now to discover? Why is this important to discover? Yeah, yeah. And like unto what we hear about the bridal message, it's, it's all about intimacy. It's mm -hmm. very much that. It's the intimacy of 
that God's character, the value, this is even a conviction, the conviction of righteousness. You know how the Holy Spirit's going to be sent, Jesus says in John 16, he's going to convict the world of sin, and we usually stop there and we attach conviction to sin. Mm. No, he's going to convict the world of righteousness. You know, that conviction of righteousness, that is what's right. You know, at the core, just simply using that word right, that Christ is not a personification of abstract nouns. Mm. He is these things. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. The truth is not a body of accurate information. Mm -hmm. You know, that was the tree of the knowledge of good and and evil. That was body of accurate information. Mm. That's not the truth. The truth is a man. And he's inviting us, like the bride, into him right now, to know him from the inside. Mm. Those secret counsels, as it were, but not to the exclusion of most believers, but to the inclusion of all believers is where this is going to go. And so I'm looking at so many verses now as just portals into the heart of God to know and learn this. So back to your question, why is this a thing? Biblically, there are only two orders of priesthood named in the Bible, the order of Aaron and the order of Melchizedek. Okay, now this word order is a word that if you're familiar with the Catholic faith and their orders of priests, you have the Franciscan order, the Carmelite order, all of these different orders, then you kind of have a structure for what this understanding is about. It's not just about Ten Commandments. It's about a way, a lifestyle, okay? And so many of the monastics, they had an order, and that's how we land with, you know, Franciscans and, and, and these different orders of priesthood. But there are only two mentioned in the Bible by name. And we know that there are priestly acts done by the forefathers. Right, Noah, right. you know, the, does priestly acts and, and, and this kind of thing. But these orders seem to include an entire people group. So you have the order of Aaron and the order of Melchizedek. And these are the only two orders. And they're actually in a singular verse they're mentioned. And that's in Hebrews 7, this whole passage on Melchizedek. And he, basically the writer is saying in verse 11, What further need is there of another priest, not of the order of Aaron, but of the order of Melchizedek? And so you can grab that and go, okay, the order of Melchizedek, that's Jesus, that's the new covenant. Okay, we're good. Right. But there's more. There's more. There's still this hanging intrigue about, okay, who's the Genesis 14 guy? Why is God swearing? In Psalm 110, mm. you know, and we, of course, we use the word swearing as if a curse word. It's not that, it's an oath. But why does God have to make an oath mm. with, we know Psalm 110 is talking about Christ is the high priest according to this order. Mm. Why is he making an oath? Jesus already agrees. There's no disagreement right, right. that he has to be sworn in. It's for our sake. Mm that we know that this is where it's going. Now, the beauty of the first church meeting 
we have in the Bible is in Exodus 19, mm. okay, where God calls Moses up the mountain and all the people are down waiting, right? This is the first church gathering. This is the yeah. first gathering of God's people before the Lord. The mountains, thunderings, lightnings, and voices, trumpet, and Moses goes up, and God says this to him in a covenant. He says, if you will obey my voice, and that speaks of personal relationship, mm-hmm. not my words written on a stone. If you yeah. obey my voice, that he both wants us to know him and he, he wants us to live in voice contact with him yes. and keep my covenant. And this is called the bridal covenant. This is the initial betrothal with the people of God. You shall be to me a special treasure of all the people of the earth. And you shall be to me, he doesn't say a tribe, he says a kingdom of priests. Now we know that out of that, where they land is a tribe of priests, not a kingdom of priests. So this isn't the fullness in the Aaronic priesthood of what God has. And to just kind of try to remove some of the hangups, only the priests had access to God directly. They were basically mediators between God and the people. So this, I'm talking about the Aaronic order. But when God says, I want a whole kingdom of priests, he's saying, I want all my people to have direct access yes. to me. You shall be to me a kingdom <laughs> of priests. Now we know in Christ, he is the high priest, tears the veil and gives us all access to him. So central to understanding priesthood is a priest has direct access to God. Mm. And like in their day and in the days of Samuel and in our day, we grow up in in a culture that really doesn't want that. No, no, let let Mike Bickle, let Mm -hmm. Matthew Lilly go get get the stuff. You go pray and we'll do work. Write a book. Yeah, and you tell us what God said, right? And I will read it, man. And, 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 and I'll read it. You go access that's right. God. That's too, that's too hard. It's, it's, it's basically an orphan spirit that yes. we carry, even as New Covenant believers, mm. that we don't believe we have access to God. Mm-hmm. And that priesthood that God is offering, not only that, it's who we are, mm-hmm. is access to God directly. <laughs> and some of the born-again culture, which is a subculture of what we would call Christianity, because mm-hmm. not all Christians are born again, we right. would say. The born-again culture, again, just takes that access to God and goes, yeah, I know one day in heaven, yeah. God will clarify everything. And right. But not— But now I'm good. Right. <laughs> but now I'm good, or I can access him. It's, uh, you know, I, if I'm born again, that means when I die, I'll get to be with him. Yeah. You know, I'll get to be with him in heaven, and I just have to, blessed are those who don't see, and yet they still believe. <laughs> and so we're all not supposed to see, and that's more blessed. He right. doesn't say yeah. more blessed. Okay. <laughs> blessed are those who see and believe. Amen. Okay, for real. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and what provokes me is, you know, how many Muslims, are encountering mm. Jesus right mm, now. Yes. And, you know, I've mm. been in different Middle Eastern countries, and, mm. and it's confounding. One, a church in Egypt, they go, we have three, four, five Muslims a week. 
walk into our church and say, <laughs> I had a dream. Jesus came right. to me. And they're going, how do you get to see Jesus? You know, <laughs> I'm 20 years and more. I've never saw Jesus. <laughs> I've <Man>. been asking. <laughs> and they're saying, yeah, I've been asking. And, and, you know, evidently, if you want to see Jesus, you have to be a Muslim <laughs> right now. That's They literally say that in this church all the time. It's crazy. But the truth is that we've been given access to God and a priesthood that stands before the Lord in heaven mm-hmm. now. But our senses aren't trained. Yes. And so we're living off the milk, the sweet stuff, and we're not chewing the word and having our senses trained to enter mm. in. Yeah. So, so the, this is where basically I'm, I'm commissioned to try to bring this generation into an understanding of who they are. And that we belong to an order. Exactly. We're invited into, we belong to this. Yeah, this is not something we do, we pray, we light candles. It's not that. It's who we are. Once you understand who you are, you know what to do. So it's this identity. You know, we're sons because God's a father forever. We're a bride because he's a bridegroom forever. What we're priests because he is a high king priest on a throne forever. And he has an order of priesthood. And if you're a priest, you're of one of two orders. Yes, biblically. Yes. You're either of the order of Aaron, which uh, you know was a ministry of the law of death. It was a, mm-hmm. the law's a tutor, but cannot transform the heart. Or you're a priest of the order of Melchizedek. Mm-hmm. And again, we'll take that and go, oh, I'm automatically a right. priest. Jesus. Right. <laughs> I got it. That's the Sunday school answer, right? <laughs> Anytime it's Sunday school, I you don't, don't have access, answer, you're have access saying, right. but I got it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And and so we think it's automatic, and mm. then we resort back to one day when I'm in heaven, it'll all yes. make sense. And God's going, no, 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 come here. Mm-hmm. You have access to me now. You can have authority in my courts now. If you walk in my ways, and this order of priesthood is a way. It is the new covenant, but it means more than we're, we're thinking it means. We're thinking it's a system of beliefs that we agree to and say yes in the hard right. times, and then you're faithful. Right. But there, there's so much more that God has for us in this life mm. while we stand in physical bodies on the earth. Mm. Oh, that's so, so good. Okay, Kirk, let me ask you this. So you you started this journey, right? And you're, yeah. you're, you're, you see these books, and they, they have the— Melchizedek name yeah. on them, right? And you're you're ready. Yeah. Okay. So let's do this. How did it impact <laughs> you? Like, how has this impacted your walk with the Lord? Oh Attention, pastors and ministry leaders. We want to invite you to an ATD Leadership Summit in Salt Lake City, Utah, July 26th through the 28th. This ATD Leadership Summit is for leaders from across America that carry a shared value of hosting the presence of God through day and night worship and prayer and gospel proclamation. Our Awaken the Dawn team will be hosting the event, including David Bradshaw, Matthew Lilly, and David Valier. When you join us for this summit, you will experience real and refreshing connection with like-hearted leaders in an informal, fun, and relational environment, including four free meals together. Teaching and training sessions catered to pioneering presence-centered ministry leaders, spirit-filled and life-giving times of worship, prophetic ministry, and prayer to refresh your heart. 
interactive breakout sessions and workshops to dialogue about practical ministry challenges and a regional worship and prayer gathering the weekend after the summit. To learn more and register, go to awakenthedawn.com today. Again, join us for the ATD Leadership Summit in Salt Lake City, July 26th through the 28th. Register now at awakenthedawn.com. We can't wait to see you there. My goodness. Um, you know, Missy Edwards, uh, who's an important prophetic voice in the midst of this movement, she wrote a song called, I'm in love with a man, mm-hmm. I'm in love with a stranger. I'm in love with my maker who I've never seen. Mm-hmm. I'm in love with a lamb. I'm in love with a lion. I'm in love with my savior who I've yet to know. So won't you let me love you more? It has awakened a love language to me. Wow. It, it's, I'm, I'm in love with this man, Melchizedek. <laughs> it's, it's not, you know, it's not the Jesus we know that's coming. It's the Jesus we don't know that's yes, coming. Yes, yes, you know? yes. When you look at the book of Revelation, and the Lord told me this one day, he said, get up and write the new names for Jesus in the book of Revelation. I'm like, what are you even talking about? <laughs> I go down and I sit down, I open to the book of Revelation, and I'm finding these names in the book of Revelation for Jesus that aren't mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. <laughs> and I'm going, Huh, you know, we we all have banners of praise with the lion of the tribe mm-hmm. of Judah. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's only mentioned in the book of Revelation. <laughs> it's not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. There's the Judah is a lion's whelp, but there is not the lion of the tribe of Judah, but one place, and that's in the book of Revelation. That's a brand new revelation of Christ for the church. Yes. Now we'll put it on the banner and we'll say amen and mm-hmm. shout and sing it hard. <laughs> Write some good songs but, about it. <laughs> but how well do you know the lion of the yes, tribe of Judah? Yes. You know, how do you relate to him as the lion of the tribe of Judah? Mm. And we all think, oh, C.S. Lewis fixed it for us. It's Aslan. We just have <laughs> Yeah. But how do you relate to a seven horned, seven eyed lamb who's been slain? You know, because that's what John sees. When the elder says, look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, he doesn't see a lion. He doesn't describe it. He says, I have behold a lamb. So there's these whole new revelations. In this, Melchizedek is central. And here's why. He is a priest, but not of the tribe of Levi. Mm. Okay? And he's the high priest of heaven, which means not only are the other Jews included, but the Gentiles are included. He's our high priestess. Right? <laughs> Which makes us, one, a kingdom of priests that we, well, as salvation came from the Jews, that salvation is Christ, who is a high priest, not of Aaron but of this order that includes the Gentiles. Melchizedek is the one new man, including tearing down the wall of enmity between Jew and Gentile that's there. Melchizedek is the one who brings all the tribes into direct encounter and relationship with God. Aaron's, the priest couldn't do that. Yes. You know, the power of the blood 
of this Melchizedek priest, that he's not only the high priest, he's the lamb as well. And his blood, one drop, would wash away all our sins. And yet, he pours out all his blood, lays down all his life. The revelation of the love of this man Mm. that's literally throughout. I cannot read the Bible without the context of the priesthood of God now. I see the priesthood in every book of the Bible, yes. but I see this loving high priest yes. who came and said, I'm the only way. I am the high priest, but I need a lamb, and that's going to have to be me, and I am the lamb as well. Mm. You know, and now I see it throughout the New Testament. I see it in the Gospels. I see it everywhere. This is our identity, and therefore necessary. If we don't understand who we are, we won't know what to do. And we'll have to find someone who understands who they are to tell us what to do. I mean, say that again. If we don't understand who we are, we don't know what to do. Isn't that like most of society is medicating from today? I don't know who I am. I can't find where I belong. And so I have to go to many other things to try and medicate yeah. this not belonging, yeah. not having, right? And, and even believers, even believers, you know, I need a prophecy because I got to know what to do. Yes. And it's like, well, who are you? What do you mean? Well, if you understand who you are, you need to know what to do. A priest of God knows what to do. You go right through the veil. You stand, serve, minister, and burn in front of them. And yeah. your next directions come from there. When, when Jesus, you know, the, the whole Isaiah 16, 5 prophecy of the tabernacle of David, in mercy, the throne will be established and one will sit on it in the tabernacle of David, judging and hastening righteousness. This move of worship, prayer, and that being the fundamental of the commission to disciple others is discipling people, not just getting people saved, raising their hands saying, I do, but discipling them into a lifestyle of living an encounter with God continuously. Mm-hmm. And uh, some people go, well, if you say it like that, maybe I'm in. You know, <laughs> I, I'm not talking about That's right. a robe you have to wear. I'm talking about a robe you've been given. Yes, yes. That is called the righteous deeds of the saints. But the more you know the king of righteousness, the more you can function in the righteous deeds of the saints. Does that make any yes, sense? Yes, it does. Yeah, that's yes. just, it's, I mean, I, it's invaluable. I've yes. been in this for 25 plus years and it's wrecked my life in a wonderful mm. way. It's given me a brand new pair of glasses that that see everything differently, mm. see the accessibility of the throne. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the accessibility of the throne, right? Yes. I mean, I believe that there's so many of these mysteries, like we started off saying, that God is inviting us into, right? Yes. And as a Christianity Western culture, yes. we don't know how to search the heart of God. We've yeah. been taught, I've been taught, Grab a Bible, grab a commentary, right. study, yeah. get as many word, what it means, and, and that's okay. Yeah. But where do we start first? <laughs> right. Papa. Exactly. Jesus, my high priest. Yeah. <laughs> what does this mean? Yeah. 
right? And letting him speak to us. So how would you tell someone, okay, I'm interested. You got me. Where do I go? What book do I buy? What? We're talking about this, right? How would you tell right. someone, how do I start yes. to discover God's heart? Oh, that's a great in this? question. You know, when I, when I consult with churches about the whole concept of, you know, the tabernacle of David, and, uh, and they go, where do we start? And I go, here's where, where you start as a church. Turn your sanctuary into a sanctuary. Create an environment for encounter. And then enter into that place where John seems to have done, he says, I was in the Spirit. Engage with your spirit, not just with your mind. And this is a backing up for us in a lot of ways, because I think New Covenant believers, we got heavily influenced by the mind of the Greek culture instead of this place of encounter that was fundamental to Israel. The the priests were as important or more important than the king Mm -hmm. in Israel, because these priests are are the ones who can intercede. These priests are the ones who can see and hear into the counsels of the Lord if they're walking in righteousness themselves. These priests are the ones who can be the voice to the nation and through the nation Mm -hmm. is this kingdom of priests. So, Begin to enter into a mentality, a mindset. A little book that, uh, that I so enjoy reading regularly. I've probably read it 20 times now. It's called The Practice of the Presence of God oh, by yes. Brother Lawrence. You know? And I literally have read it 20 times since over probably the last 20 years because he found a way. He says, and you know, none of us in our society would like to hear this, it took me 20 years. <laughs> but then I lived for the next 40 years in the presence of God. He said, it took me 20 years to practice. We know that God is available. We know that I could right now say, Lord, I just pray for Cassidy and, and that you and I and anyone who hears this knows that I'm now talking to God and he's fully accessible. This isn't a heinous crime for me to suddenly break in and talk to God in conversation. So why not begin to engage that conversation that's available with him continuously? Not just asking for help for Cassidy, but asking for engagement, nearness to him. Draw near to me. You know, have mercy on me. Teach me your ways. And then waiting and the lifestyle of continuous mm, communion with him. Mm, yes. Not communion yes. in the sense of bread and wine, but communion in the sense of just interchanging yes. with him. Be at the table. Get that ISAP that he's offering to the Laodicean church. Get that get get those that gold refined in the fire instead of spending all your time getting earthly gold. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And or trying to get revelation so you can get more earthly gold. Right. Why <laughs> you know, why not get the gold that's available. Jesus mm. said, I advise you from buy from me. Mm. So number one is time. Mm. Time is the commodity to engage either to gain things on the earth or things in heaven. It's time. Time is the currency in both realms. Mm. Okay? It's time. And so that's how we got Isaiah. That's how we got white garments. It's, it's time that we spend. 
You're either spending your time on earthly things or you're spending your time on heavenly things. So Paul takes a Greek approach, Colossians 3, set your mind on things above. Mm. He also says this, redeem time. Mm-hmm. Instead of, okay, man, I've got to, you know, we have in our, I have Kansas City, we have a sacred trust. Oh, I got to have a sacred trust. How am I going to then? No, start with the time. I call it, and, and this is how kind of the Lord showed me. He said, start with the time that you're presently wasting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's good. <laughs> and so I went, a little huh. bit watching. <laughs> Right, right, <laughs> get off of 24 back in the day and get into 24 <laughs> 7. You know, that, that kind of thing. So, start with time engaging him. And then, the second thing that I found was meditate specifically on his attributes. You are known by both your name and your attributes, so is God. The people who know you and still love you. <laughs> no, your heart and your attributes. <laughs> and they probably know God too, yeah. if they still love you. <laughs> right? Yes. But, and so it's engaging in God's attributes. And, and that's what I did with Melchizedek, king of righteousness. Well, that sounds like a big deal to them. That's not a big deal to me. Why is that a not big deal? Because I don't value uh, my king. I don't know and love my king. And, and I don't know and love righteousness. Oh, I want to know these. Lord, show me. Show me the revelation of righteousness. I had the Lord about three months ago when I was just, I, I get a lot of things in interaction with him to immediately pass to those I'm kind of discipling in this. And he said to me, Kirk, can you name any attribute of mine that's not written in the Bible? And I went, no, not with any assurance. Right. Because the Bible is the revelation of God. And, you know, I don't call God the great Michelin tire man (laughs) because it's not in the Bible, right? And so meditate on his name and see where this is going, where the church is going is not just a whole bunch of salvations. Salvation isn't even something God commands us Mm -hmm. to do. Mm -hmm. It's make disciples. And disciples are those who behold the glory and are transformed. Well, the prophecy that's looming, and we're start, you know the the church is starting to get an appetite for it, is the glory. The glory is coming, and of course we want a glory because we want to experience the glory, and we know it'll make us better. Mm-hmm. But the glory is a a greater revelation of God than we've ever had before, and you know you have this passage in your temple, everyone shouts glory. That's that Melchizedek yeah, priest that yeah. they stand in the temple and everyone's shouting glory. And it's not because it's on the overhead. You know? it's, it's not because this is the next song to sing. We sang holy for a thousand years. Now let's sing glory. No, it's because waves of the presence, it's wave, yes, this waves of yeah. his attributes mm. are hitting them over and over again. Mm. And it's, it's causing them to shout glory, not to just sing it because it's the right thing to sing. It's, it's wiring them the way we were all made to shout holy, worthy, and glory and, and never be bored with that. Mm-hmm. Yes. So take Bible verses that are the attributes of God and start read, write, say, sing, pray these attributes over and over again. Just 
Priam and see them as because the attributes of God are only revealed in Scripture. Mm. See them as doorways into the Word. And you know, I teach on meditation, but I don't teach meditation on the Word anymore. Mm. I teach meditation in the Word. Amen. Yes. Because the Word is a man. Yes. We're about to find out the Logos is alive. Mm. You look up the word Logos in, in, in the Greek, one of the first definitions is actually the speech of a person. Mm. <laughs> it's not just, oh, that's the dead word on the page. We want the Raymond word. No, the Logos is alive. He's a man. He's going to get in here. We will come into this place, and all of a sudden, the language of value of being priests of the order of Melchizedek will happen as we behold him and are transformed into his image. Mm. He is the high priest, the Messiah of the order of Melchizedek. Amen. Kirk, thank you so much, man. That was fun. you having on. Would you just say a prayer for us? Yeah. And just the Lord would ignite this in our hearts. Yes, and, and the ignition happens with this thing that Paul said. He said, but, meaning as opposed to others, we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed from glory to glory. And I just want to say this. May those words provoke you to be dissatisfied with a little bit of the glory of God. May you be dissatisfied with not seeing his glory. This was Christ's prayer. Father, I desire the ones you have given me may be with me where I am right now, that they may behold my glory. Lord, I pray for a hunger for the revelation to behold you, to enter in to what we sing that we have access to, to actually access you. Mm-hmm. That is not just waiting for you. It's on us that we can answer this prayer of Christ's desire and be with you where you are and behold your glory. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. We would love for you to hit follow or subscribe in whatever app you're using so that you can continue to get episodes like this every month. If you enjoyed today's episode, do us a favor and please share it with your friends and post it on social media. Be sure to tag Awaken the Dawn in your post so that we can reshare that with all of our friends as well. If you're tuning in on Apple, please leave us a rating or review. And if you're on YouTube, give us that thumbs up like button and leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of today's episode. And we really appreciate it. Finally, please visit our website at awakenthedawn.com. You can find out more about our ministry and movement, and you can also make a donation to help support this podcast and the Awaken the Dawn ministry. Thank you again for tuning in today, and don't forget, Jesus changes everything.